Kia ora Aotearoa and welcome to Generally Famous Stuff Podcast. I'm Simon Bridges and every week I talk to a generally famous but always interesting guest about life, love and what makes them tick. Today he has had 14 professional wins, probably and counting, 7 of which have been post 2014. Top Kiwi golf professional Ryan Fox. Hey welcome Ryan. Thanks Simon, thanks for having me. Did I get those stats that are basically right, or have I have I been unfair to you? Uh, no, that sounds about right. I like the fact that you said and counting. I hope there's a few more to come. Yeah, well, you're in your prime, mate. And we're going to get to that. It's um, it's, it's such a privilege to have you on. Um, you are. We're doing this remotely. You're um, you're in the US. Yep, I've been. I'm in my fourth week of seven in the US at the moment. So sitting in a hotel room in Austin. How do you enjoy that or, or not enjoy it? Because does your family come? They normally come. Uh, we travel, well, my wife has travelled with me um, since 2016, basically full-time, or almost full-time. And uh, we had, we've got a two-year-old daughter, so through COVID, there wasn't quite as much travel with her, but they travelled at the end of last year. and We've actually got another one on the way Amazing. in six weeks, so... It's a little close for for them to travel, at the moment, right? But um, the plan is for them to travel later in the year, which that certainly makes the travel a lot easier. But um, it, yeah, it gets a little lonely by yourself, that's for sure. Yeah, no, I I bet. I suppose it means you focus on what you're there to do and 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 achieve. Um, you told me you're in um, Austin, Texas, which I've never been to, but everyone says a rocking sort of a a, a city. But you're there for the Masters soon. So I've got the match play this week, the last WGC ever, World Golf Championship. Right. And yeah, two, two weeks until the Masters, my first one. So that'll be uh, pretty cool to tick that one off the bucket list. Yeah, I mean, so I, I saw on your social media, it's very cool. Like you get this fancy little envelope and at the start of the year and it says, you know, a nice kind of, what do you call it? Cal- cal- calligraphy, is that what? Yes. Mr. Ryan Fox. Um, and you said online it was a dream come true. I mean, how does it feel? Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to describe. I mean, it's it's the golf course that's the hardest to get on. It's the tournament that's basically the hardest to get into. You know, to be honest, I thought at 36 it had probably passed me by. You know, my my chance I'd, I'd probably yep. missed. And I had a great year last year and, you know, kind of knew I was going to be in, say, October. But to actually get the invite and say, hey, you know, come to Augusta in, in April and, and join us for the Masters is is pretty special. And, um, you know, it's one of those ones you don't know if you'll play one or get to play more or whatever, but yep. just to get to play one is, a, is huge in golf. And you know, it's probably the, the that and probably the British Open yes. are the most sort of well-respected tournaments in the world with the most history. And it's, yeah, pretty cool to get to play them, that's for sure. My um, father-in-law is from the UK, and but he's been with me for an inordinately amount long amount of time on holiday and I'm starting to get sick of him but we were just having a debate He let's hope he never listens to this I don't think he's a generally <laughs> famous fan um, we were just having a debate because I told him I had you coming on, he's golf mad and we were having this debate about which is the pinnacle and I was saying no look it must be the Masters and he was saying British Open what do you reckon or you, you, are you is that a, do you not want to say it's it's pretty tight for me. Um, I would have said growing up it would have been the Masters, mm. um, but I think that was purely the Masters for us in New Zealand is a lot easier to watch. It's you know the it finishes early well and around eleven o'clock or something like that, so it's pretty easy to get up at six or seven and watch the the full coverage. Where the Open was always in the middle of the night, you know you'd have to pull an all nighter to watch it. Um, but I've been playing in Europe since 2015 and had had a chance to play in a few of them. And to be honest, you know, the history around the Open, I mean, it's it was the 150th one last year. Yep. Um, you know, it's, it, it was at St. Andrews, which is the home of golf. There's a whole lot of that, which is a big box ticker for the Open being the, the biggest tournament in the world. But I think, yeah, for me growing up, the Masters probably – just pipped it, but yep. yeah. Hopefully, there's not too many people from the other side of the world listening to it because <laughs> it's 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 a it's a real real tightly run race. That and um, are they both? Did you get into the Masters? Like I say, the envelope arrives. Is that 
purely and simply on um, your your uh, international ranking? How does that work? Yeah, so there's a few different ways to qualify, but the main one is through world ranking. Yes. Um, and I they take top 50 in the world at the end of the year. Yep. Um, and I was well inside that, which was which was nice. And they do another cutoff, I think, maybe last week or, the, or after this week for the Masters. Um, and then also if you win a PGA Tour event, you, you get qualification. And there's a couple other ways in through through the other majors, but, you know, the three ways are generally through the top 50 or, or for winning a PGA Tour event. So it's a pretty hard field to get in. And, you know, I've played 14 majors so far and only I haven't played a, a Masters yet. So it's definitely, definitely tricky, but I'm looking forward to it. To seeing what it's like. Congratulations on getting this far. It's amazing, I and mean, you know, wish you all the best for the, you know, very soon. Um, there are many differences between you and me, and why I would never ever be able to be a professional golfer. But like, I imagine if I were as a mere mortal going to this, I would be hugely intimidated by it. Is there any of that for you? Would you kind of, and and don't be modest. Do you have a confidence? You go in and say, nah, I've earned this. I'm I'm in the 30s as a, a golfer in the world. I'm I'm going to own this. There's a little bit of both. I mean, you obviously it's what I do for a living. So playing under pressure and that dealing with the nerves is something you get used to. But yeah, there's there's also well, I've earned my right here. I deserve to be here. I'm good enough, and that's that's a big help going forward. I I'd put it to you know. Say from your point of view, you were comfortable getting up, speaking in parliament or speaking in front of thousands of people or whatever, and that there's lots of people that would be really uncomfortable doing that. Yep. But once you get, once that's what you do, you get used to it. You kind of figure out a way, even if you are nervous, even if it's a, a bigger stage than you're used to, you still figure out a way to do it properly. And it's the same for us. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely nervous. I'll, I'll definitely be nervous on Thursday morning when we tear it up. But it's good nerves. It's what you want. You know it means something. And you get up there and you've got your process for how you deal with all of that, how you hit a golf shot, et cetera, et cetera. And you just go out and do it kind of thing. On that, actually, I was just going to say, you know, what what is that? Like you're, what are you? um, Well, let's go weeks out before the Masters. Are you doing things differently than you would on a normal day? Is What's your sort of regime? I had two weeks over here. Uh, I've been, I've had three weeks over here in the States so far. Played two weeks in Florida. I had a week off, and pretty much the only thing I've done different is actually go to play Augusta. So um, it's kind of the bucket list anyway to get to play that golf course. And once you qualify for the Masters, you can go and play it. And as soon as I knew I had a week off, I was like, well, I'm going to go for a couple of days that week and play it and sort of get, as bad as it sounds, the novelty out of the way. So once I get to tournament week, I can just kind of treat it like a normal tournament and it was actually great to be able to do that. You know, the first round, I, my head was in the clouds. It was like, oh my, this is what this place actually looks like. You know, it, it, it feels it feels different for some reason. Um, and then, you know, I, I feel like I kind of got that out of the way on the Tuesday last week when I played it and then played it again on Wednesday, felt a whole lot better about it. And I, I feel like when I get there on Monday, I'll, I'll be able to treat it a bit more like a normal tournament, which is a good thing. So to state the obvious, I think I'm, maybe I'm not hearing you right. You, you have played so far this course once. Twice. Twice. Amazing. Twice. As you say, how many Kiwis would have played? In the Masters? Um, Augusta, that, that course. Well, actually, ironically, the two days we were there, I played Tuesday and Wednesday, um, there were seven Kiwis on site. Right. Two days. I know a certain former yep. prime minister. Yep. I think has played. He moved heaven and earth to get on it, um, and you played with him as well. He's got the luck of the. I played with him on Wednesday there. Right there, you go. So yeah. you know, the prime ministers and um, and professional golfers, exclusive um, company. What about sort of like the day before? Are you? I mean, are you on some? I don't know, um, vegan diet, or do you do anything differently? You just no. You just take it natural. No. Do you rest? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, yeah. I, the the biggest thing for us, and I think it's just a general thing for a tournament, is your energy management. Basically, you know, you can go out. It's a you know, you st- you get to a tournament generally on a Sunday night or a Monday, and you're supposed to be firing on the on the next weekend, you know. So you, 
you don't want to you don't want to grind too hard. You don't want to do too much earlier in the week because you just burn out later in the week, especially if you're doing it, you know, a, a few weeks in a row. So for me in the lead up, it's I've got the match play this week. I've got another tournament in Texas next week and then going on to the Masters. So it'll be, there'll be a lot earlier in the week, especially the Wednesday of just making sure, you know, I don't burn myself out before, before, you know, the tournament actually starts because it's pretty easy to do that, especially for, for the big tournaments. I, I did certainly did it a couple of times early on in majors where you, you practice a little yep. bit too hard and you get to the weekend and you just, you're, you're done yep. basically. So yeah, you kind of learn that over the years to, to figure out what works best for you. I have a final question on this, but I, I have to go back to my old boss. I hope you beat him. Yeah, yeah, he was. He'd arrived the night before, and he was a bit tired, and he was just having a bit of a hit around. So it was a bit of it was a bit of fun. I've uh, I've played with John a few times. He's uh, he's great fun to be around on a golf course, and he absolutely loves it. So it's great to see. He, he's cool to play with in that regard. It's cool to see someone with that much passion for the game, and we had a lot of fun out there on Wednesday morning. When you approach that first hole. Do you have any rituals, superstitions, or just habits that you kind of approach it with? Not really. I mean, we've got routines, and I think there's a there's a fine line between routine and superstition. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, like I do the same thing before I hit every golf shot. I probably couldn't tell you what I do. It just kind of happens naturally. Um, but in terms of superstitions, no, I don't really have. I don't have a certain amount of tees in my pocket. I don't have to play with a certain number of ball or anything. I mean, I, I'm, I go through ones, twos, threes, and fours in order of rounds just because I figure that's the easiest way to get through a box of balls right. for the week. But and you kind of know what you're playing for that day. Um, but other than that, it's not really – I don't really have any superstitions. I know my old man was the opposite right. of rugby. He had to put his boots on – socks and boots on the right order right. every time kind of thing. So I, I I studied psychology at university, yes. so I kind of understood where they came from and found it yeah, a little easier to get away from the superstitions. Yes. Of things. No, well, that's that's good to hear. Um, do you feel you've got things you need to improve in your game, even though you're in the top 30s of global golfers at the current time? Yeah, it's just so small. I mean, if you actually boiled it down to stats, it's literally point something of a shot around um it's you know chipping it this this much closer it's holding one more putt around kind of thing it's so small at the top end but i mean the the greatest golfer of all time but sorry the greatest golfer of this generation and tiger yep always felt like he could be better so if yeah Everyone's got to say that you you feel like you never quite reach your ceiling. I think that's a great thing for golf in general. You know, as a sport, you're always trying to achieve perfection. You can never quite get there, and that's what the great thing about it and the most frustrating thing about it at the same yep. time. You are today ranking in the 30s. It's a phenomenal achievement in itself. I think you know we go back a bit. You were. Um, if I got it right, probably jumping around in the 50s, 60s. My question is this. Do you believe you can win the Masters? Yeah. Yeah. You need some luck to win a golf tournament, but I feel like if I play my best, I can definitely be up there on Sunday, and if if the chips fall the right way, I can definitely be there. I feel like I can hit the shots down the stretch that are needed. Um and yeah, it's it's nice to be in that position in my head. You know, I'll still be nervous in that situation, but hopefully, I can. If I'm in that situation, I can figure out how to deal with it. You strike me as um, which is a great Kiwi kind of characteristic. Is relatively in in an unassuming way relaxed, right? I'm not saying you don't put in the hard yards or all those things. So, do you sort of block that out, or or do you kind of sit there visualizing? You've studied psychology, the the kind of the win and how that might go. I'm more the relaxed type. Yep. Just go in and do what I do and sort of let the rest happen. I, I tried it the other way for a while and it didn't really didn't really fit. I think golf's a funny game in that respect. You're not really it's not like rugby where whoever you're playing that week you've got to beat. Yep. You know, that's the be all and end all. You know, golf you're trying to beat 
generally 150 other guys every week. And you're not trying to beat them in a specific day. You're just trying to beat them at the end of the week. And if you get, you can get it in your head a little bit too much. I, and in the end, I feel like the best option is just try and go beat the golf course. And if you beat the golf course, all the other external stuff just kind of disappears yes. and you end up in the right place at the end of the week. And the, the only time it really, you really feel like you're trying to win is the back nine on Sunday for me. Yes. You know, that's, that's where it really, you know, one shot makes a massive difference. Whereas earlier in the week, you know, you just, you're just trying to not, it sounds weird. You're almost not trying to play your way out of the tournament. You can, yes. you know, just be there or thereabouts and, and, in contention on Sunday and that's when you know the competitive juices really start going and for me the best way to get in that position is to try to go and beat the golf course every day yep I keep saying it you, you're in the 30s now you had a great year last year was last year your clearly your best year as a professional oh, golfer for now over a decade no, not even close to, to any other year I've had a couple of Solid years. I had another year where I won and got sort of near the 60s, somewhere in the 60s in the world. But, you know, last year, a couple of wins, a bunch of seconds, finished second on the on the money list in Europe. Um, yeah, there was sort of no comparison, really. Phenomenal. What, what do you think? I mean, is it simply a case of um, you hitting your stride? And what what do you sort of put that down to? I've heard what you said about a bit of luck, and I'm sure that's right. But you know, there's also a saying: the harder I work, the luckier I become. Yeah, I for me, it was a few a few things. I mean, I'd struggled throughout COVID. Obviously, trying to travel the world at that point was was pretty tough, especially yep. you know with a young family in New Zealand. And I was yeah, I struggled with that. So I think having some normality again last year really kind of freed me up mentally. You know, I, there are I know there are sports people that can compartmentalise and no matter what's going on in their personal lives when they start doing what they do, they they can block everything out. That wasn't really me. So having all of that disappear and, and just being being able to be feel like it was normal again made a massive difference. Um, I started working with a coach in the UK. Um, I've still got my coach Marcus back home, but throughout COVID he couldn't travel. So having someone have eyes on basically every week, I think kept me in the sort of straight and narrow technically in the golf thing. And that made a massive difference. There was a lot more consistency there last year. Um, and then there was some confidence. I think, you know, I won early on and I felt like from there, you know, everything else was almost a bonus. I could just go out and free wheel it and have a bit, enjoy it and that was kind of a bit of an aha moment to be honest it was like oh okay I can compete with these guys it's not nothing's really phasing me I, I actually enjoyed being in contention in tournaments rather than being worried about what was going on and uh, as soon as I started doing that I seemed to get in contention a whole lot more so you know it, just trying to keep doing the same thing this year as I did last year and it, yeah it's been it was it was fun last year I'd Probably I, I couldn't have said that for the previous few years. I actually really enjoyed the golf side of it last year. Because actually um, hearing you there, I'm mean, thinking some of the cricketers I've talked to, you know, top cricketers, and there's a bit of a, a Kiwi cringe almost, right? You, you, you're, you're a great cricketer, and then you, you've got these these brash Aussies or, or, you know, the Indians and massive names, right? The the, the Warns and so on, who I know was a, you know, a good friend of yours. And you can be sort of intimidated by that. But one of the good things about the I IPL, for example, is it meant you're playing them all the time and you sort of get over that. What you're saying is you sort of got over that. You're not so phased now if it's um, you know, Rory or Tiger or someone standing there um, uh, around you. You're, you're, you're secure in your game. Yeah. I The one I noticed big time last year was at the Dunhill Links, and that was where I was. I partnered Shane Warren there for quite a few years. Um, so there was, there's something about that week anyway, you know, playing, I felt like Warney was kind of there yeah. watching, but I remember looking at a leaderboard on the ninth green on Sunday and I knew I was there or thereabouts. And I was at that point, I was tied for the lead with Rory or one behind Rory. And in previous situations, I knew I would have, you know, maybe not struggled, but I don't think I would have taken him on per se. Like, oh, you know, I couldn't have beaten Rory. 
and I think I birdied 9, 10, 12, <laughs> and 15, and ended up, I beat him by a couple and won the tournament by a shot, and, you know, kind of go, well, actually, yeah, I can, I can beat him, and then I got to play with him a couple of times, the end of last year and early this year, and felt, yeah, there's still some nerves there, but actually felt comfortable going, well, I've, I've kind of earned the right to play with him, and I felt like I had, you know, he'd, he'd said some nice things in the media about me and my golf game and stuff like that, and it was, you know, felt like I'd earned a little bit of respect respect in that regard, which was was quite nice, you know, not not feeling, not having imposter syndrome, you know, yeah. I, I shouldn't be here kind of thing. He seems like a guy that you actually sort of know quite well. What's he like as a character? He's great. I mean, I've I've played with him a couple of times, and he's been since then. He's been great. Always comes up and says hello. He's a mad keen rugby fan, so we've got right. a fair bit in common there. Although he wound me up a little bit about the uh, the series midway through last year. Yes. Shane Lowry's exactly the same as well. He quite enjoyed winding me up, but he's just for for someone that's had the you know the spotlight on him for such a long period of time. He just seems re- very normal, and the guys that knew him early on said he just hasn't changed as a person, which you know is pretty cool when. Yeah, he's been there or thereabouts, the best player in the world for for more than a decade. Was there a um was there a period in time, you know, before you'd kind of, as you say, destroyed? Um, I mean, in the early years, do you, hard moments where you thought, you know, what shit, I'm I'm not sure this is the right thing for me. I'm going to go back to being a um, not that you were this, but I'm just a social studies teacher or whatever it was. Right? Did you have those moments in the earlier? Yeah, sort of part of your professional. Yeah, I had. I probably had two. Um, I had one. What year? It must have been 2013, my second year as a pro, and I was playing it just on the Aussie tour. And I had a decent first year out, and a lot of people call it second year blues. It becomes everything. The first year is new and exciting, and the second year, it actually feels more like a job. You're doing the same. Th- kind of the same thing again and that's what I had and I struggled a little bit I got to the end of the year and I I hadn't kept a card or I was close to I needed a good week to to keep a card so ours is all based on money list if you're not don't finish high enough up the money list you don't have a job for the following year and I'd we had three big events in Aussie at the end of the year and I think it was Aussie PGA Aussie Masters Aussie Open and I missed the cut at the Aussie PGA and I've gone, I don't know if I can keep doing this. You know, I, I was, I, I knew I had six weeks off after those tournaments and I was going to reevaluate what was going on. And it, my dad came over and caddied for me at the Aussie Masters. And he just, I remember him saying to me at the start of the week, like, why do you play golf? And I'm like, well, it's supposed to be fun. <laughs> and he's like, is it fun? I'm like, no, it's definitely not. I, you know, with a few extra words in there, I hate it, basically. <laughs> Uh, and he goes, well, I, I, our one goal this week is to go out and have fun. And I was like, okay, we'll try that. And I finished fifth, um, and it was a really strong field with with a lot of the big-name PJ Tour guys, a few of the big Aussie guys had come back. And I kept – that was enough to keep my card quite comfortably. And I had six weeks off at the end of that year and thought, well, actually, I kind of do want to keep doing this. I do enjoy it. If I hadn't had that week, I may not be here right now. You know, in the states, I might be at home somewhere with a with a normal job. And what would that normal job have been? You reckon? I have no idea. I've tried to figure <laughs> out what it would have been. Golf I've, shop. Yeah, potentially gone into being a teaching pro or something like that. I I don't yep. really know. But yep. thankfully, I don't have to. I didn't have to figure no, that out. Certainly don't. I, so I had another one in 2019. I'd won. Um, and then I missed seven cuts in a row and kind of got to the same same point that I hated the game. And I think everyone goes through it a couple of times in their career. I think every sports person goes through it at some point where they question whether they're, what they're doing is the right thing or not. So I've definitely had a couple of them. It's amazing to think, isn't it? Those who sort of stick in and those who don't and what could and couldn't have been. But the other thing I take from what you're saying, I mean, it is so much, and we know this, of course, it's, it's, you know, it's a bit of a... Um, cliche but I mean golf is a real mind game what's your view of it sort of physical skill and prowess versus you know the mind and how much of each sort of makes a great golfer um 
I mean, there's there's a lot of physical skill in actually doing it, uh, but to get to a decent level, you know, anyone that's played golf recreationally knows it's a it's it's a hard game, and you know, t- you're talking in you know fractions of degrees for the club face being out of alignment, and the ball goes miles offline. It, you know, I think physically the ball golf shouldn't work but it somehow does well you know hand-eye coordination somehow works but once you get to the top level it's all it's all mental you know the guys that win majors the guys the multiple winners are the strongest mentally you know you look at someone like tiger or jack nicholas that they tiger was a freak physically but mentally he was better than anyone else there's not not even a question about it which is what, just zoning everything out, just focusing on that moment and your swing and what you're trying to achieve. Yeah, just, it's getting, it's, it's somehow blocking the rest of it out to just be in the moment. And again, anyone that's played golf will stand over it and go, I don't want to hit it left. I don't want to hit it right. I don't want to duff it. I don't want to do this or whatever. And then you try doing that in front of thousands of people for, a decent amount of money it just amplifies everything and tiger was very very good at just hitting the golf shot that was needed to be hit yeah no that's for sure what about the course what makes a great course in your view what are you what's your for me it's got to be fair so if you play well you can score well and if you play bad there is something to to bite you a little bit and for me it's got to be fun i like hard golf courses Every now and again, I think you know a good layout can still be hard, but you still get rewarded for good shots. But you know, I don't like it when you turn up to a golf course and you know you're just going to get completely beaten up. You know, and, and that happens a fair bit with us every now and again on tour when they set golf courses up hard. Um, but yeah, you know, a course like St Andrews, for instance, that's one of my favourites, and it's pretty wide open. And you've won there. I've won there as well. That always helps. Yeah, but. It's, it's it's wide open, the greens are big, but there's just something fun about playing it. It's just quirky. It's got heaps of weird shots to hit. And it's obviously got all the history with it as well. So it's got some kind of it's got a special feeling. But you don't ever walk around St Andrews and go, Oh wow, it's it's brutally hard. You might get a couple of days where it's blowing forty mile an hour and it, it is brutally hard. But you also can turn up there. And it could play completely different one day to another. You know, you have one from one direction, one from another. And it's, I like that golf. There's some creativity in it as well. I think, you know, a golf course has got to create, require you to be creative. And, you know, something like St. Andrews definitely forces you to do that. If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead, The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. Each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism, telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture and more. You also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So, for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts. This is a ridiculous question. I'm going to ask you anyway. I mean, what, what is golf the best individual game in the world? I should say yes, because yeah. I, I play it, but <laughs> it's one of the... I'd say that or tennis. I mean, tennis is... Yeah, well, that's what I'd written down. But I'd say purely as an individual... I mean, the thing is you can go out and play golf by yourself against the golf course. You don't have to have anyone else. I think the other thing that golf does really well is lets you compete against people at any level. You know, again, if you're playing tennis, you've got to play someone that's around about the same level as you. Yes. Because if they're way better or way worse it sucks golf i can go and play against a 30 handicap and as long as the handicap's right we can have a really good match so yeah in a backwards way i think yeah it probably is the best individual sport in the world most complete yeah for the reasons you're saying i think you made a good case for that is is that said and i 
I wonder one thing about a negative is golf and in New Zealand, for example, is has it become quite elitist? I think Taraiti, Cape Kidnappers, but even your local course these days, is it? Is there something about it's getting out of reach? I'd actually say New Zealand's the opposite compared to what I've seen in the rest of the world. Right. So golf, I mean, we've got the second, what, I think we still have got the second most golf courses per capita in the yes. world. Yes. Behind Scotland. You know, anyone can go and play golf at, you know, a local golf course. Yep. Yes, we've got some exclusive ones now, yep. which is kind of copying the format of the rest of the world. But in general, outside of buying clubs, because clubs are relatively expensive in New Zealand compared to the rest of the world yep. to an extent, maybe not in Asia, but, you know, the US has got some, um, you get a few better deals on clubs because the market's a lot better. But in terms of being able to join a golf club and green fees, we are a lot cheaper than than a lot of the rest of the world. It's definitely a lot more accessible. It's still, there's still a decent outlay for it. It's not like playing football where you need a couple of mates and a, and a field and, and a ball. Yeah. 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 You know, you need golf, you need a big space, you need golf clubs, you need all of that. But in terms of access to golf, New Zealand's one of the best countries in the world for it. What do you make of this live golf? Um, <laughs> you can get a free a... pass if you want. I just, yeah, you know, I was just saw something about it this morning and I thought, shit, that's an interesting. Well, let me ask, did they have asked you to join? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think they asked most people in the top 50 to join. And for me, I had these opportunities in the in the states. You know, events I'd dreamed of playing in. Um, you know, Bay Hill a couple of weeks ago, I played the Players Championship, the match play this week. I've got the Masters coming up, and I didn't want to jeopardise any of that to to potentially take some money. Um, you know, for me, I've got big no money, issue. right? It's ridiculous. Yeah, in the short term, what they've done for golf, you know, the competition's been good. You know, in general, in business, competition's a good thing, and we're playing for more money. There's a whole lot more going on now in golf in the last two years than what has happened probably the last 10. But I don't like how it's sort of fractured the game, how yes. it's become – There's, it's quite polarizing depending on what what opinion you have. And, I mean, look, I, I, I don't know the politics behind it, but I think if you look at, say – what happened for the Premier League and and you know, the Saudis buying Newcastle potentially? There was no issue with that because they kind of played within the establishment. Whereas yes. I think golf, it's 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 felt like a bit of a takeover, which I think is why there's been so much pushback against it. If it had come in, you know, they're they're very highly involved with the women's game, and there's been no issue. Hmm. But it feels like for the men's game, they've come in and tried to kind of take it over and buy it to an extent and I think that's why it's been so polarizing and that's what I don't like about the overall situation of where we're in at the moment just and for the, the, the politics of it and for the uninitiated it's a Saudi-backed professional golf tour uh, to rival the PGA the big established one uh, that Ryan is is playing in and it's been criticized quite heavily for its links to the Saudi uh, yep. uh, regime and the human rights issues and, and so on. You, you do have to admire, I think this is right, I'm not sure if it's ever been confirmed or not, but Wikipedia or somewhere told me it, so I, I think it must be true. You've got to admire Tiger Woods. He evidently turned down seven, eight hundred million bucks as a point of principle around the PGA. I mean, yep. that is a... Even in his terms, that is a poultice of money. Yeah, and there's there's plenty of guys that have turned down a lot of money to go, and there's plenty of guys that have cashed in and gone, and I can't say anything bad about the guys that have gone. I mean, Danny Lee just won there yes. yesterday. Yep. And, you know, Danny hasn't won anywhere since 2015, I don't think. And that's huge for him, and, and massive congrats to him for doing it. And I've, I can understand why he went, but for me it was an easy decision to not go and, and the, for the same reason. You know, I, I wanted to play these events, these events I dreamed of playing in, and Danny's probably got that chance to, to play in these events being on the PJ Tour, and, you know, he felt like live was a better opportunity for him, and, and fair enough. It's just the fact that it seems to be an us-versus-them mentality at the moment, which is the frustrating part. 
which, as you say, may fracture the, ga- fracture the game, or actually has, I think, at a level. So that's sort of that. I um, I, I want to return one thing. You've, we talked a bit about Tiger. You checked yourself, actually, when you sort of – and then you changed what you said about him to something like greatest player of the current era or something. Um, who's the greatest golfer of all time, in your opinion? <laughs> I mean, that's that's a that's a pointed question, obviously. I, look, I grew up in the Tiger generation. I'm going to yes. say Tiger. Yeah. But I could probably quantify it and say Jack's going to Jack's gonna come across with all the records, you know, yep. the most majors, blah, blah, blah. But I don't think there could be any argument that Tiger has played the best golf that anyone's ever played. Yes. Maybe for a shorter stretch of time. Um, and the, you know, Arnold Palmer potentially changed the game as much as anyone, but then Tiger came along and and kind of dwarfed what Ernie did. Uh, Arnie did, sorry, not Ernie. Um, So the influence Tiger's had on golf is, I think, above and beyond what anyone else has had. Um, So, yeah, I mean, there's an argument for someone like Annika Sorenstam to be the best as well. I mean, she was phenomenal. And you look at her statistics, it's just crazy. You know, percentage of top tens, percentage of wins. I think she even outdoes Tiger. But potentially with the women's game not being as popular at that time, you know, Tiger Tiger had a far bigger reach in that respect. Do you get to call a guy like Tiger at a level your friend? I mean, do you get to know a guy like this? No. One? No? And no, I, presume- I don't. I've played one hole with him. And he strikes me, you know, I don't know why I say this, but I don't know if you watched that Drive to Survive um, uh, on the F1. You know, it's a bit like Lewis Hamilton. These guys are sort of, they end up um, kind of being a bit apart and you don't sort of get to see them as as much as, say, some of the other rank and file. Yeah, I think Tiger's been like that for a while. Obviously, he was burned by the media, Mm. rightly or wrongly, Mm. a few times. So I think he's got his inner circle and stays there. But also, you know, when I've been on tour... Um, I've only seen Tiger kind of sparingly and he's also been injured a lot so you don't really see a lot of him and you do get the air when he turns up to an event it's like oh wow it's Tiger and you know there's something different about the event so I can understand it from his point of view everyone's watching everything he does I can understand why he kind of steps away and and is a bit aloof is a bit guarded with what's going on because yeah it does completely Hey, let's do a bit of a quick fire on the old uh, game of golf. Your career high to date? Winning Dunhill Links last year. Yeah, before you win the Masters in, in a few weeks' time. That's a good, good I one. I hope, yeah, that, that would be nice, yeah. And I'll be able to say, look, I was just talking to him just before. Um, c- career low. Uh, yeah, almost quitting the game in, in yeah. 2013, how, how I explained. Your favourite Kiwi course? Uh, Taredi. Um, what about sort of public one that the um, rank and file can go on? Is there one there that you? Paraparamu Beach as right. a as a yep. club course is probably the best we've got in New Zealand. Uh, Favorite golf course? And we've talked a bit about this, but globally, um, for me, it's a toss up between St Andrews and yep. Portrush in Northern Ireland. Both right. I've played opens at both of them, and I I couldn't pick them apart. They're both fantastic, and different think, but fantastic. And I think you've answered this as well. But golfer you looked up to growing up. Yeah, it was that was Tiger. I you know, I remember watching the US Open in two thousand, the Masters of ninety seven. Yeah, you know, that's just he was golf. I think he still is golf to an extent when he when he plays. Well I was gonna ask you then, maybe it's still this answer remains the same, but golf for you at my today. I'd say it's still Tiger, just what he's done for the game. And you know, the fact that he won the Masters three years ago, four years ago with a fuse back and what else had going on i mean he's yeah it's it's, it's impressive I, I asked you this as well when i asked you whether golf was elitist or you know, is there an element of that in nz today the state of golf in new zealand today are we in good heart is it going well is the next ryan fox lydia co coming through yeah i mean i think recreationally where golf is as strong as it's ever been i think you can split the two up you know, there's recreational golf and there's yep. high-level golf. Recreationally, COVID worldwide was fantastic for golf. Golf was one of the few sports that was sort of allowed to be played and people there was a lot of people got into it. I think professionally, you know, we've got a few really good people coming through. Daniel Hillier on the, on the DP World Tour, he's a good young player. I think we've got a few kids behind him as well that are good players. 
Um, and there's, you know, Lydia's done wonders for the for the women's game in New Zealand, and I think there'll be a, a couple others following in her footsteps. I know there's a young girl, Fiona Zhu, who is very, very good. I think she's 15 or 16, so um, excited to see what she'll do in, in the in the not too distant future. But yeah, I think golf in New Zealand is as good as as good as it's ever been, for, well, at least for a long time. Fantastic. Um, let's talk personally for a moment or three. Your dad is Grant Fox, um, All Blacks legend. The way you talk about Tiger, not that I've ever been an All Black, but you know, when I grew up, it was Grant Fox, right? I mean, um, just uh, massive in our country. What's it like growing up with a dad everyone kind of wants to know? It's going to sound weird, but it was just normal. He was yeah. just dad. Right. Like, I didn't know any different. You know, I was used to people stopping him in the streets and that kind of stuff. And I guess the only thing that I, I wish I remembered more, he, you know, he retired when I was six. So I don't yes. remember a lot of him no. actually playing. I've seen a few of the old videos and stuff like that, but I don't really, rem- I went to a lot of games. I don't really remember it. So I would, I wish I'd sort of understood how, you know, how good he was a little bit better, but, um, yeah, in the end, yeah, growing up, he was he was just dad. He coached all my rugby teams and everything like that, and that was really cool. And got used to people going, "Oh my god, it's Grant Fox coaching that their team." I maybe got targeted a little bit more in rugby because right. of it, though. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you that: why golf, not rugby? <laughs> to be honest, I played cricket growing up as well, and yep. in the end, I didn't. I had a few too many concussions and didn't enjoy rugby towards the end as much. I played a little bit of men's cricket, didn't enjoy that as much after school, and just. Golf, if I look back on it now, golf was the one I enjoyed the most. It just took me a fair bit of time to work that out. You know, I, I, I was always playing on school holidays, play on the weekends after the other sports, Sunday mornings, that kind of stuff. And, yeah, it was always golf. It just the, it was a bit busy there for a while to figure that out. Maybe this is a particularly me question and you don't identify with it, but, you know, in, in earlier years, I mean, was it annoying for you as Ryan Fox golfing pro to be sort of known as Ryan Fox Grant's son? Again, no, not really, because it was just kind of normal. And to be honest, it probably helped early on. I got more coverage than I ever deserved for my right. golf game because of who dad was and dad was caring for me as well and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think that, um, yeah, it, it, yeah, it was just part and parcel of what having him as dad really it just was normal you've um you've got a, a a lovely wife you've got a young daughter yes you told us you've got another one on um the the way is your wife a sportswoman the reason i ask i'm just um, trying to work out whether this is like a compulsory fox thing i mean she's she played sport growing up she's a mad sports fan but not mm. not to any level um but yeah, it'd be. I mean, I'm the third generation of my family to represent New Zealand. My yes. mum's dad played cricket for New Zealand. Yeah. Obviously, dad and me with golf. So, I don't know. Hopefully, there's no pressure on the kids to follow on in a different sport or something like that. But, I mean, I I, I grew up with sport and hopefully my kids will do the same. You know, I, I think it's fantastic for, for lots of different yes. things growing up, you know, for learning teamwork and understanding how to lose and, understanding how to win and all of that stuff. I think you learn a lot through sports. So I'll definitely not be pushing my kids into it, but sort of hoping they, they get into it. Yeah. What sort of age do you start measuring Isabelle up for golf clubs? She had, she's got golf clubs already. <laughs> Cause what she, she's three or four or something. She's, she's two. Right. So she's, she's not really showing that much interest. Her cousin is mad into it and he's really good as like, like two and a half. Right. But, She'll go out onto the putting green at home and have a couple of putts, but won't listen to anything I try to tell her. But that's what most two-year-olds do, I think. Yeah, give her time. Don't write her off just yet. She's got a while. Um, is there a – you're in a unique place to answer this, I think. Is there a particular trick to being a famous sportsman and a good dad? I, I mean, I, I think they're so polar. I, I don't know. I don't. I think you've just got to find the time to be a good dad. It can be really busy. I mean, I'm going to spend a lot of time away from my family this year, and it's just trying to be present when I'm there for the most part. Mm -hmm. And I was lucky we got to travel a lot last year. So, you know, I 
I tried to manage that and spend some time with them and, and sort of be a bit of a dad on the road as well. And, and I think that worked pretty well. And hopefully we can do that for a, a little bit going forward as well. You know, we had some really cool experiences going on safari and stuff Fantastic. like that, which to take your two-year-old on that, even though she probably won't remember, it was pretty fun for us. Just on the future briefly, I mean, you're, am I right? You're 36? Yeah. You've got then a good 14 or more years uh, before you know, you even have to consider senior, senior the seniors. Are you? Um, are we going to be talking about Ryan Fox? Um, you know, like Bob Charles and your eighties or something, still winning tournaments? What do you reckon? I don't know. I think golf is very different now than what it was when Bob played. I think golf's a bit more athletic. There's definitely shorter careers now. Um, with just how hard everyone goes at the ball, you know, the rough and the, the toll it takes on your body. So I, I don't think I'll be playing competitively to what he did. I mean, I remember him breaking his age at a New Zealand Open one year. I definitely won't be doing that. But I certainly hope golf's great in the fact that you can play for a long time. And, you know, I'd love to to play on the seniors tour for, for a little bit one day. It seems like that's a – I mean, obviously Steve Elk has done a fantastic job playing yes. the Champions Tour and – um, yeah, it just looks like it looks like a bit of fun, to be honest. And you know what is also true, again, probably different from you know Bob and his Bob and his prime is that this is now a game where there are tens of millions, possibly more, actually, on occasion, up for grabs. You are, and I don't, and I don't mean this in a good or a bad way. I mean, you 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 are a wealthy man in New Zealand terms as a result of. Of, of the game. I suppose the question is this, do you reckon that, does that change how you live and your hunger for the game? Is there a danger that it's sort of like, or not? Uh, yeah, I think it can. I mean, for me at the moment, I don't play golf for money per se. Obviously, it's my job and I want to do well from it, but I just love playing golf. I love the competitive side of it. So I don't think that's going to go away for me, hopefully. Um, never say never, but yeah, I've been lucky. I've been able to, you know, I'm in a good time in golf where there's a lot of money around and I've played, you know, pretty well for the most part over a decent period of time and have been able to, to look after my family well. And that's sort of more than I probably ever thought I'd get out of the game. So I still love it for the most part, as much as I did when I first turned pro. I love the playing. I love the travel. Sometimes the travel gets me a little bit now, but I still don't want to do anything else. So hopefully that fire still burns for a long time. Where, where do you like to travel to? Is it the States? Is it Europe? What sort of lights your fire? Europe for me. I mean, I've played there now for eight years. Um, and, you know, being able to play tournaments in Rome and Paris and St. Andrews and mm. stuff like that. I mean, that's it can be chaotic at times, but it's cool. I mean, just we don't get to see much, but you know, just to go there and experience the culture and the food and everything like that. It's just fun. And is, and be honest, is, is going as a golfer, a professional golfer, is that glamorous or is it just bloody hard work? I mean, what's the... No, it's it's not as glamorous as what it's made out to be. I mean, you know, we stay in nice hotels. I get to fly at the front of the plane every now and again, which is good. But in the end, it's hotel rooms, golf courses, airports, a lot of long-haul travel. And, yeah, that gets you pretty quick, but you also find a way to to kind of manage it properly and just you've got your little routine of going through, you know, what you have on the plane and what flights I like to, you know, whether it's overnight or day flights or whatever, you find out what works for you and you just kind of get it done. I wouldn't change what I do, but I think the idea of traveling the world and playing golf it's, it sounds a lot cooler than what it actually is in the end, especially especially at the lower stuff. You know, playing challenge tour, you're hiring a car and driving for five hours to some weird little town in Europe and staying in a crappy hotel. And th- there's lots of that when you're coming through the ranks that people that people don't see. Yeah. Um, and that, but that's also when you look back on it, that's the cool stuff as well. Yeah, no, it's right. It's um. It's the rich tapestry of it all, but it's not quite as glamorous as people think. Well, look, I, all I hope is that, you know, as you go through it and you um, win the Masters and do various other things, you're still having fun along the uh, way. 
We finish this with um, three questions we ask every guest. We call it general knowledge. What is the best night out you've ever had? I had a night in Chicago about 15 years ago. Two mates from school happened to be there at the same time I was playing an amateur tournament. My dad was there and we had a few, quite, quite a few drinks at a Brazilian steakhouse. Dad went home and I remember bar hopping around all the, all the rooftop bars in Chicago and it gets pretty blurry, but remember going to getting let in somewhere and ended up at uh, Ty Reese from Too Fast, Too Furious's out or from the Fast and the Furious's album release party. The Cooks <laughs> played that night. I have no idea how any of it worked, and I got home about 5 o'clock in the morning, but, yeah, that was one of the best nights I've had. Your, um, your memories of that are probably going to be about as good as your daughters of the safari. I don't know, maybe. You know, yeah. it's an impression yeah. that you have. Speaking of which, if you could be any animal, these questions are ridiculous, but there you go. What would it be and why? Um, I'd probably say a shark purely just because I like the ocean. I love fishing. and Well, there's a golfer cool. who's already got that. I don't want to be that shark. <laughs> well, he's, 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 in the, he's in the live golf, of course. But, yeah. Uh, yes, shark got it. That that makes some sense. Who would you most like to be trapped in a lift with? To be honest, it would be it'd be a golfer. It'd either be Tiger and just get to quiz him on everything, or or Jack Nicholas. Do you think he'd tell you? I don't know that he would. I think he'd be very purse-lipped. That's why. That's why I said Jack. I think you'd probably get more out of Jack as an eighty-year-old. Yes. Looking back on his career, than you probably would do out of Tiger. Ryan, it's been fantastic talking to you. Thanks so much. You've been listening to Generally Famous as Stuff podcast. There's a new episode every Wednesday. You can listen to them all at stuff.co.nz slash generallyfamous or wherever you get your podcasts. In fact, if you follow us on Apple or Spotify, any of the podcast apps, in fact, you'll get the latest episode automatically. Sounds good, right? Thanks to my producers, Chris Reed and Jen Black and audio editor, Connor Scott. I'm Simon Bridges. I really appreciate you listening. If you liked listening to this pod, help us make more like this. Visit stuff.co.nz support. Prepare for an unfiltered journey through the harsh realities of infertility. My name's Nadine Higgins. I'm a broadcaster, a journalist, and I've been trying to make a baby with my husband. That's me. I'm Dan. And we reckon infertility is lonely enough without making it a dirty little secret. In The Human Race with Dan and Nadine Higgins, we share raw and unvarnished stories of couples who have faced the brutal truth of infertility. Unless you've been in it, it's, it's really tough and really lonely. Yeah, and also, this is really weird, but baby showers, you don't need to open the presents in front of everyone. Confronting the harsh reality that not every story has a happy ending. This very blunt, abrasive doctor who I had, you know, had not seen before, who delivered the news, just like, you'll probably never have a natural period again and you'll probably never have a baby. The Human Race, where we share the untold stories of couples in the race of their lives to create a life. I feel like I nearly missed out and I got to do it. And so I feel really lucky. So it's been incredibly positive. Listen today at stuff.co.nz slash the human race or wherever you get your podcasts. The Human Race is proudly brought to you by Elevate.